Good morning. Hey, so good to see you guys today. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Matoya, Pastor Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. Uh, we're at part five of a series called Uncommon. So before we jump into part five, I want to say welcome all those tuning in online. Thanks for being with us today. We're glad you're with us, and uh, we're good to have you also on, on uh, with the ability to, to tune in this week. Um, last week we did the fifth part of the series, or the fourth part of the series that uh, really was about um, the uncommon self and how we need to take care of. Um, in every relationship, if, if, if we don't take care of ourselves, we really can't have a healthy relationship. In fact, we said it this way. We said uh, that um, our relationships are only as healthy as we are, right? So your relationship will only be as healthy as you are. So if you have an unhealthy relationship, the starting point is not trying to fix the other person, which this whole series has been about, right? But rather saying, what do I need to change in my life? How can I focus on the one person that I can change? That's ourselves, right? We tend to focus on the things we can't change. And a lot of times the solution the answer is, how can I focus on the things that I can change and the person I can? A lot of times it's ourselves where we need to start. And so we ended this, the, the last week with that idea that your relationships are only going to be healthy if you get healthy. So make sure you become the uncommon self that really works on yourself. Um, so we talk about un- uncommon love, uncommon commitment, uncommon communication, uncommon conflict, and then last week the uncommon self. And today we're going to end with maybe maybe the most important part of the whole message. Um, and this, this whole series is kind of pointing towards this because if you miss this one thing, you really will miss uh, the, the impact that you can have in other people's lives. Uh, in fact, it's, it's the one thing that I think culture is always searching for. Unfortunately, culture tends to think that um, this thing, that, we, that if we get it, um, it's going to make our lives better instantly. And so uh, today I want to talk about uncommon influence, uncommon influence. Everybody say, would you say influence? Influence. Every single one of us influence people with our lives. In fact, the average person will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. All right. Some of that influence is positive. Some of that influence is negative. Um, and today I want to talk about what uncommon influence looks like. Uh, really, it is like if you look at culture, everybody wants influence, right? Uh, the, in politics, they want influence. The boss wants influence. Parents want influence. In our in our relationships, we want influence. It's something we all yearn for and, and are hungry for, but we always don't know how to go about it. And the, and and part of culture tends to to want to build, build that influence for the wrong reasons. And they, a lot of times we tend to think short-term rather than long-term when it comes to influence. Today I'm going to challenge that. I'm going to, I'm going to say, all right, what would it look like to have uncommon influence when it comes to our family, when it comes to our relationships around us, like coworkers or uh, at school or with friends, right? And how can we grow that influence and not lose that influence? How can we have an uncommon influence in those around us? Because uh, here's the truth. We can only have lasting impact in, in, in with others if they give us the opportunity to do so. So if you want to have a lasting impact in people's lives, you'll only have that opportunity if they allow you to do that. But sadly, too many times in our culture, we actually choose the short term, right, affluence, some wealth, some pleasure, uh, something that, that, that the immediate right of, of a position uh, rather than over influence. And those that only focus on the short term, when they get down the road and they look back, they realize that they've actually a lot of times lost the, the most important people around them, which is, is the relationships that you have. In fact, life, I would say it's not how much you make, it's not how big your house is, it's not what kind of uh, clothes you wear or what kind of car you drive, but it's the people that you have surrounded with you. Because at the end of the day, that's really what matters the most, is who who are those people around me. And if you're going to have uncommon influence in our lives, you need to to look down the road further uh, than than a lot of times just the immediate, what's good for me at the moment. Um, And here's the thing about influence, it's the one thing that will live on after you're gone. Your influence, right? we call it legacy, like what you're known for. Um, how you made people feel, how you inspired people, and how you helped them become better people. Those are the things that they remember about you. 
not the car you drove or how much money you had, um, how successful you were. Those aren't the things. It's, it's really how did this person impact my life? And that's how you're remembered by, right? We look at figures in history, and every time we celebrate those that did a great job, we always realize that they helped a lot of people get something that they couldn't maybe get by themselves or didn't know they could attain, and they challenged them and pushed them. And, and that's what we remember about those people is the impact they had, right? Nobody knows what kind of car they drove or how much money they had in their bank account. It was always about how they had an influence on others. So in this, in this last um, part of the this, this series, uh, Romans 12 is where we've, we've built the, the whole series around. There's this verse where Paul is talking to Christians in Rome, and he's saying, all right, guys, if you're going to have uncommon relationships, here's some, here's some principles, right? We've given those out this last five, five weeks. But he says this. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. If you do that, you'll just get common results. So if you want to copy and just go with the flow, do it, but don't expect uncommon results. Expect the average, right? But he says, if you, if you don't copy and you let God transform your mind into, into a new person, right, by the way you're thinking, he said, then you'll be able to learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And here's what I want you to know. God's plan for your life is a good plan. And, and today, hopefully, I'll, I'll challenge you and encourage you to seek for that plan because it'll help you really live out the purposes God intended for you to, make, to, to do with, this, with your life. All right? And it's, it's, it's one of the things I think influences one of the things that I think Scripture is calling us out to all the time. In fact, if you look throughout the stories of, of the Bible, every time God is trying to get somebody to, um, to follow his lead or, or he wants to, looking for an individual to be used right, for, for a greater good, it's always, he's always saying, I want to use your life to make an impact so you can help a lot of other people. Like the first you know, covenant with Abraham is, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but it's not just so you can have, right? I'm not just going to give you affluence. I want to bless you so you can have influence. I want to give you the ability to help others in this world. And God is still looking for those individuals today. Can he help you make a difference in other people's lives? In fact, the, the, the nation that he made a covenant with, Israel, he actually told them, you're supposed to be the light to the nations. Like, you're supposed to be a light that the other people can see in, 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 that are living in darkness, but you're not doing that. You're covering it, uh, like with, you're putting your light under a basket, and you're hiding it. So then he tells Christians, Christ followers, he says, you're the light of the world, right? So you're going to be the people that bring influence to this world. And over and over, God is saying, I want you to have the ability to impact people around you. I want to have, you to have influence in others so you can help them figure out what God is asking them to do also. How can you do that? Um, and, and what happens in, and when we look for our relationships in that way, our, our marriages get better, our families get better, because we're always looking at ways to say, how can I have uncommon influence in this relationship so they can become everything God wants them to become. All right, so before we talk about uncommon influence, uh, let's talk about common influence, all right? Um, so common influence. This is what common influence looks like. You know, the average person, a lot of times, is, is the way they view influence is, is a f- four statements. Right? The first is this, I must protect. When it comes to common influence, people tend to think, all right, I've worked hard to get where I am. I must protect what I have, right? I must guard myself. In some cases, I'm going to put up a wall so that you can't hurt me, right? I'm going to guard myself from you ever being close to me. I'm going to, I'm going to because of hurt, past hurts a lot of times. But essentially, uh, common influence says I'm going to guard my status. I'm going to guard what I have. I'm going to make sure that my resources don't get used up by other people. I'm going to, I'm going to work to build this, right? So that's, that's the first uh, part of common influence is just protecting what you have. Uh, the second part is this. I must benefit, right? Uh, common influence says, all right, in any relationship, I'm only going to be in this if I can benefit from it. So what's in it for me? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a relationship with you if I get something out of it. And common influence usually does, does things out of that motive of saying, I'm only going to do this thing if it's going to make me happy. How are you going to make me happy? How, how is this going to uh, um, please me? Right? And common influence, a lot of times our relationships don't work because of that. When you go in that relationship like that, you're setting yourself up, uh, one, to be selfish, but also to miss out on, on what could happen in that relationship. 
And then influence, common influence, the third one is this, I must control. Uh, we get un- really unhealthy relationships when one person tries to control the other people in their lives, right? Whether that's marriage or parenting. Because uh, the truth is this, we can't control anybody. But when we t- try to control everything, it actually can make us sick many times because uh, we're trying to uh, do something that we're not, it's not possible to do. I cannot control anybody, only myself. And even that time is really hard, right? Like, I can't even control myself sometimes. How can I control others? But a common influence is I'm going to do everything I can to control every situation, um, to, to position myself, uh, to be the, the one that makes all the decisions, to do all that. And, that, and um, in, in the workplace, in relationships, we see a lot of times why they don't work, because we're not looking to, for others to add value or to, to have input. We, we want to do it our way and only our way, right? This is where control freaks kind of get in. And um, our influence, it, it, a lot of times, goes out when we try to control others. We lose influence. And the fourth way of common influence is I must win. We tend to think of life as a, uh, as a game in the sense that there's a winner and there's a loser, right? And if somebody's going to win and lose, it might as well be me. So I'm going to do uh, whatever, no matter what the cost, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this game. And we tend to treat life like a football game, right, where – uh, we're at halftime right now, and there's a few, there's a few quarters left in our in our life. You know, if you're in the middle middle ages right now, um, you're thinking that way, right? Like I got I got to win. I got to do whatever I can to win this. Or sometimes we we treat the day like that. Like there's going to be a winner or loser. I must be the winner. And what happens is we tend to, to think of uh, the start and finish in the sense that um, we're in this game that I must I must dominate and win because um, that's the most important thing is that I come out ahead, no matter what the cost is. And if you look in culture, a lot of times we see people who attain these levels of influence and levels of, of affluence and wealth, right? And, and they, they, they accomplish a lot of things. But then a lot of times when they get to the top of the ladder, they turn around and they look. And all the people that they thought they loved and they cared about are no longer there with them, right? Because they burned the bridges. They hurt those relationships because they were chasing a lot of times the idea of what they wanted. And they, they didn't realize that what they had around them was more important than the, than the things they were chasing, and we see this in culture a lot of times is that people choose the wealth, um, and in some cases they even choose the wealth over their health and over their relationships. And, and that, that's what common influence does to us because it sets, up, uh, uh, up, sets us up as we have to be the winner in this, and, and there can't be another uh, um, a winner, so you must be a loser. And so we set ourselves up against people. In fact, there's a book I just read, a great book called uh, The Infinite Games by Simon Sinek. Uh, if, you're, if you own a company, if you lead teams, uh, this would be a great way uh, to help you change your paradigm when it comes to um, how, what kind of game we're in. Because uh, it's not a finite game like we think about, but the Bible talks about how what we do lives on beyond us. And when we live that way, we actually can make a greater impact with our life. You know, when I was um, um, thinking through some of the influences in my life, you know, uh, in high school, um, I had, there's two people in, in my high school when I was, I, I graduated from Capitol High. I can't, can't even think this, but 21 years ago, I graduated from Capitol High. And um, so 24 years ago, 23 years ago, um, I had a, a coach who was a soccer coach, and he had a great influence in my life. Um, he saw things in me that I didn't even know were there, and he called those things out of me, which we'll talk about in a little while about how to have uncommon influence. And, he, and he, he, he saw something in me, and he pulled out some potential and to, the, to the point where I love soccer because of that coach. Like it, it became more than just a sport. It, came, it became something I really enjoyed and I, I, I learned to love um, because, of a lot of, because of his influence. And then there's another person. It was one of my math teachers. Um, she caused me to not like math. So I was pretty good at math up until well, – why are you laughing? Like <laughs> – you're with me, right? Like my kids, like, am I ever going to use this? Right? That's like the common, like, why am I learning this? I'll never use this in my life. Yes, you probably will one day. Just pay attention because it'll help you at some point. And um, so I flunked one class in high school. And guess what class it was? 
math. It was algebra, right? Algebra shouldn't be that hard. But for some reason, when I, I must have missed the class where they explained how algebra worked because I never got it. Like geometry, I got that. I was good. I'm good with, I'm good with that, with measurements, things like that. I just I get that. It clicks in my mind. But the algebra thing, like why is there numbers and letters together? And what do you do with these letters and numbers? And am I supposed to spell something? Like what's going on here? So I just assumed or if something happened where I missed the class, they explained it. And so every time they would try to get, I couldn't, because if you miss the foundation, when they start building all these bigger ideas, it just kind of, you, you struggle, right? And so as I reflect on this, I'm sure it wasn't just my teacher. I'm sure there's a part that I played where I could, I could ask for more help. I could have done something differently. Um, but my teacher made me feel really dumb when it came to algebra. Like her response was, you should just get this. And I'm like, I, but I don't. Well, you should, you know, are you dumb? And like, I'm like, no, I just don't get this, right? And so I, I felt like I was dumb in this class, which set me up to respond that way. And so she had a very negative influence in my life um, because she, she couldn't see things in me that maybe were there. And so um, good news, I retook the class the next year and I passed. Yeah, I got through algebra. And then because of her influence, I said, that's it. No more math. I don't want to keep going forward. So I did the minimum, whatever they asked me. And I'm like, that's it. I'll do something else. Can I play sports or do something else right and i went on to something different but up to that point i really i i used to like math and um i enjoyed it and then after that i i became uh, for a while i kind of disdained it and then uh, i realized there's some things that i really need to learn when it comes to math so i learned some more stuff like that in other classes um but i i, I reflect and i think of, of how people in our lives influence us right to like something or dislike something um when we hear certain names of people in our lives we think of what they represent, and sometimes it draws us to that thing. And then sometimes we hear that name and it repulses us from that. Like, I don't want anything to do with that, right? Authority figures, teachers, sometimes parents or those closest to us. And, and a lot of times what really happened is they lost influence in our life because they chose to do something. Like, we see it on the news all the time, right? There's somebody who has a lot of authority, and all of a sudden they do something really dumb. They say something dumb off the cuff, or they, just, they, they, they respond in a way that just uh, they lose credibility and they lose influence in our life. And instead of valuing that voice, now we say, I don't know if I can trust that voice. And what happens is they lost the influence they had. And here's the thing about influence is it, it takes so long to build it up, but it's so quick to lose it. You know, in our marriages, it takes years to build that trust. And in a moment, you can lose it all. With your kids, it's going to take a while to build that trust and, and gain that influence. But it just takes a moment to do something really dumb that could lo- you could lose all that influence. And we have to pay attention because in relationships, when we lose influence, we lose the ability to have healthy relationships. We lose the ability to have an impact in other people's lives. And ultimately, that's what we're looking for. So common influence says I must protect, must benefit, I must control, I must win. Um, and in this situation, um, like my math teacher, a lot of this was that. It was, it was, she, was, she was protecting a lot of her ideas and you know, maybe she was threatened by me. I don't know what it was. But she, she ended up having common influence in my life, which she lost the influence, which means I don't want it. Um, and here's the thing I know about people, though, not just to blame my teacher, because I'm sure I was a part of the problem, too, is here's the thing about people. People are people. We all make mistakes, right? You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. And we have to understand that about people. We, we are just, um, we're, we have this tendency to be selfish. We have this tendency to do things and get overwhelmed and say things that hurt people's feelings, right? So here's the thing about people problems that we have to understand is when it comes to people, know this, that people will disappoint. Uh, there will be times that people disappoint you. If you hang out with me enough, I will eventually do something that disappoints you, right? Because I won't live up to your expectation. I will say something you don't like me to, want me to say. There's going to be a point that I might disappoint you, but I'm a person, right? That's why, because I'm a person. Um, in scriptures, one of the things I love about Jesus is um, that he, he teaches us how to, how to deal with the people problems that we face, right? 
So we see the disciples. We see the religious people. We see how uh, there's all these issues going on, and he's navigating life, right, to try to help us to see how we can do it also. But one of the the people that he had a lot of problems with um, is one of the people that we actually celebrate in the faith, right? We call him a saint. He's an apostle, Apostle Peter. Um, He's a very important uh, figure in in the Christian faith. Uh, But here's the thing about Peter. Uh, We tend to elevate, you know, the apostles and and, uh, these great people, and they were. They did some great things. But they were just ordinary people. He was just an ordinary guy. In fact, he wasn't good enough to be on the A squad. He was like in the B squad. He didn't make the cuts in school. He didn't pass the algebra test either. So thankful Peter didn't pass the algebra test. <laughs> he didn't pass all those tests to be, to be considered the, the, the top of the class. That's why he was working as a fisherman. He wasn't in a different profession because he wasn't good enough to be a rabbi. He wasn't good enough to be a teacher. So Jesus calls somebody that's just an ordinary person. He's a fisherman. Um, and in some cases, uneducated, which means he didn't have the, the degrees that everybody else had. And notice that God picks out the ordinary. In fact, that's why the, in, in the book of Acts, when the, when the people are listening to Peter and the, the disciples, they keep saying, like, they're amazed by these guys' teachings. They're like, aren't these guys just from that place, and didn't they just do that work? And they're so amazed that they had so much wisdom and insight, even though they were just ordinary people, ordinary men, ordinary women. And I love that God chooses ordinary people. But here's what we see about Peter, is he had, there was people problems that Jesus had with, Pete, with Peter and the disciples. The good news is Jesus models for us how to deal with people problems, right? So Peter disappointed Jesus at times, and people will disappoint you. Um, you know, I, I hear sometimes people when it comes to work, uh, they, they say, man, I would love my job if it wasn't for the, come on, help me out. You're like, work, okay, the work is hard. People, right? I hear, I hear work too, but it's more people. I would love my job if it wasn't for the people. Well, here's the thing about our work. Most likely, you're in the people business, Right? The reason it exists is because it's serving some need for somebody. Like, no, I just do paperwork. No, there are names attached to that paperwork that you're doing. Yeah, you're working with papers, but there's somebody that's attached to that paperwork you're doing, right? There's a story behind that. Everything, every, almost every job that is out there is somehow attached to somebody else. You're in the people business. And sometimes people, they disappoint. Sometimes we have problems with people, right? It can be hard. Um, so I would love my job wasn't for people. Well, people are, are the job. And in this case, Jesus is saying, let me model for you and show um, what, what, what you're doing. In fact, there's one point where Jesus tells Peter, why did you doubt me, right? Peter's doing this great thing. He's walking on water, and at some point he, he, he begins to sink, and he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? Like, don't, it, there's some disappointment that comes with people, right? Because of doubt, because of things that come up. Uh, we see in Peter that uh, people make mistakes, and Peter made a mistake. He made a lot of mistakes. Um, in fact, when, when it, when, in the Gospels, he's the one that is recorded that he talks the most. Right? There's a correlation with how much we talk and how much mistakes we make. Like the people that guard their mouths tend to make better, better choices and not as many mistakes. While Peter didn't guard his mouth, and he got a lot of troubles because he was always making mistakes. Um, there's a point where, where, where Jesus is um, he's telling Peter what's going to take place. And Peter says, no, that's not, that's, not, that's not the way it's supposed to work. And Jesus actually says, no, no, Peter, your influence is not the right influence right now. In fact, he calls him Satan. He says, Satan, get behind me because you're trying to block me from what God is trying to do. Essentially saying, you're having the wrong influence. You have the wrong, wrong process right now. So people at this point, people make mistakes. People tend to be selfish, right? They want their own way. They want to do things their way. We talked about that last week. We, we are selfish. You are selfish. I'm part of that, right? So people problems, we always tend to think it's somebody else. Well, sometimes you're the people problem in other people's lives, and we need to deal with that. Um, Jesus, Jesus uh, some, at one point, um, Jesus is having the disciples. He's, he's in pressure, under pressure, and he's saying, would you pray with me for a while? 
and the disciples keep falling asleep. He's like, guys, can't you just pray with me for a little bit? Like, I need some support here. I need some help. And it says that Peter, he goes to Peter and says, Peter, why are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay up for just one hour and pray with me? Couldn't you support me for this little moment? And so he was selfish. He was tired, and, and he took a nap, and he slept to the, the time that Jesus really needed him. People, problems, right? Disappointment, mistakes, selfishness. Sometimes people betray. Sometimes people betray us. Um, in fact, Jesus told Peter, he, Peter says, I'll never, I'll never walk away if it gets hard. And Jesus says, well, actually, before the day's over, you're going to betray me three times. And Peter, um, he even, at one, one point, um, somebody says, aren't you a follower of Jesus? He denies it so much that he begins to curse at the person that is, um, is, is calling him out as a follower. And he denies Jesus three times. And it says their eyes lock at that moment when the, when the rooster crows and Jesus is, is, is be, he's arrested and he's, he's being beaten. It says their eyes lock and he realizes what he's done. He betrayed Jesus. So people problems. We're, we're all at times going to go through these. So disappointment, mistakes, being selfish, and, and sometimes betrayal. And a lot of times betrayal are those hurts that we, haven't, we don't deal, always deal with very healthy, in a healthy way. And we need to learn how to do that. Uh, we need to learn to address those hurts. And uh, even Jesus, he was betrayed by all his disciples but he gives us an example of how to have uncommon influence. And I love this. I'll give you some scriptures in a second when it, when it comes to Peter and how uh, Jesus called out, called out in his life something that he didn't even see. Well, in my life, um, when, when, it talk, when we talk about uncommon influence, we talk about relationships. Uh, a lot of times what we need to have is we need to have the picture way out in front. Right? So for me, I have a very, very clear uh, target in my life when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my kid, kids, when it comes to this church. Right? So for me... You want to know what my end goal is? Here's, here's how I define success for me and my relationships. Success is this. When those closest to me, they think the most of me. Success is when those are the closest to me, my, my kids, my wife, they actually will think the most of me, right? As, as the contrary would be, those that are closest to me actually don't want to be around me. That's where you lose influence. So if I'm going to be successful as a person, it's not how much money I make. It's not the kind of car I drive. It's not the clothes I wear. Right, um, it's it's the, the the way I make impact people around me, the way I make them feel, the things they'll remember about me. So those closest to me. So when my kids leave the house, I'm hoping and I'm working hard that my wife will actually like me more when they leave than when we first started our marriage. Well, that's possible, but it's not going to just happen if I don't work at it. Right? All of our relationships are like that. At some point down the road, uh, in fact, I had one um, one leader in my life. He was in, he was uh, my youth pastor, and I was in high school. And he said, Eric, he said, be really careful and make decisions in high school. He says, because a lot of times what happens is we give in to the pressure of the, of the people around us, the popular, the whatever's going, whatever's going on at the time, right? People want you to make choices and decisions. He says, never make a decision by the pressure of those around you in, in school because as the truth is, within a couple of years, those people, you, you may never see them ever again in your whole life. So why would you make a decision that you'll have to live with the rest of your life because of somebody that you'll never see again? possibly right like I, I, it's true it's a true statement so out of my all my high school class i maybe see a handful of them um once a year in some cases once every other year the rest i have no idea where they're at um especially those that a lot of times were the, the bad influences like like why would i make a decision according to their influence or their pressure that i'm going to live with when they're not going to be there to live with it also right and, and when we think long-term, we tend to make better decisions relationship, relationally because we're, we're choosing to use wisdom in how we make these choices. This applies to the workplace. You can get ahead, ahead for a year, and you can, cut a lot of, um, you can burn a lot of bridges and hurt a lot of relationships to get ahead. And you might get ahead for a year, but in a couple of years, whatever, you're going to look around, and there will not be pe- there'll be people around you that don't want to be around you. They won't like you. 
because of selfishness, because of your, your choice of saying, I need to be the winner in this, in this game, right? Um, so success. We have to understand what this is. Um, I want those who know me the best to like me the most. And in my kids, you know, I want them to also know that I like them. In a healthy relationship, there's a dynamic where my kids actually believe, not just I love them, because I think part of them, they think I have to love them because I'm their father, but that they like them. And in fact, every one of my kids, there's certain things in them that I think they're so awesome. Like, I like that about them. But do they know that? And if they don't, I won't ever gain that, that influence in their life. So I have to learn to be able to call it out and talk it out and help them. So let's read through Jesus. So Jesus is, you know, he's, he's modeling for us how to have uncommon influence in somebody's life. And so here's Peter who's disappointed him, who's betrayed him, who's made mistakes, um, who's, who's done everything that a lot of times we, we do as people, right, to, make that, that, to, to bring hurt to other people's lives. And Jesus, notice what he does. So look at the story. For three years, Jesus is with Peter, and he's always calling something out of Peter. Um, he says this in Matthew 6:18. He says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Uh, so Simon uh, Peter's name Simon actually meant, meant a reed that was swayed by the wind. You know, a reed that's in the, in the water and the wind comes, like the reed goes wherever it goes, right? So he's an emotional person. He's, a, he's somebody that just whatever happens in the moment, they're going to go with the flow. He was the common kind of person. And God is saying, you're no longer going to be common. You're going to be uncommon. You're going to be a solid person that stays, stays, stays the course and, and does something great with your life. He calls something out of Peter that Peter doesn't even see. In some cases, it was the opposite of what Peter was. He's saying, oh, there's something better in you. John 21, 17. Um, after, after, Jesus betray, after Peter betrays Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross, comes back to life. Uh, it says that the third time he asked him, so he's already asked him twice. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. and said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, go and feed my sheep. So then he's, he reverses the, the words that Peter spoke of betrayal three times with an affirmative of saying, no, I do love you. I want to follow your lead, right? He replaces that. And he says, all right, follow my lead. And then he says, and then he gives him a job. So not only did you betray, betray me, but I'm going to give you an important job to go and do something with your life. Um, and, and throughout the story of Jesus and, and the disciples, not just Peter, but even the other disciples, Jesus is always calling something out in them to help them become the person God wants them to become. This is part of Sundays, right? God is trying to point out something in our lives, say, hey, if you work on this, if you get better at this, you'll become a better wife, you'll be, become a better husband, you'll become a better student, a better coworker or, or employer or employee. And God has always wanted us to become better. He's calling those things out of us. And here's the thing. Um, our, our level of our influence is not determined by our, our level of success. So my influence is not determined by my level of success, but my ability to help others succeed. So... If I help you succeed in life, my influence is, is, is greater, right? We tend to think short-term a lot of times in life where we say, I need to get the most influence so I can be successful. But scriptures actually point out something different. They say if you will help enough people realize their, their, their giftings, their purposes, and help them succeed, something will happen in your life. You'll actually find success even though you're not even looking for it. Because when we help enough people succeed, they'll eventually help us also. That's what uncommon influence is all about. It's about others. It's saying, I'm going to help you be successful. So in our relationships, when we approach it this way, can you imagine how people would feel when you went into a relationship saying, how can I help you succeed? Right? What can we do? How can I get to know you more? What, what can I do in, in, this, in this relationship to help you get better? You would have a healthy relationship. You'd have a good relationship, especially if it's reciprocal and they'd be asked that back of you. 
So let me give you five ways to have uncommon influence, right? If you want to have healthy relationships, here's five ways to build uncommon influences with those people around you. Number one is this. Would you focus on the person? We tend to focus on ourselves, Like that's the, the common way. The uncommon way would say, would you focus on the person? That's asking more questions. That's, that's saying, what, is, what are your desires? What are your thoughts on this? How can I help you, right? You begin to focus on the person, you begin to build influence. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So he's saying it takes, it takes proximity. It takes you a willingness to say, all right, how can I look out for your interest in this relationship? How can I help you succeed? If my math teacher would have done that to me, I wouldn't have got an F. I might have got a D, but I would have passed the class, right? Um, hopefully I would have got an A. But if, if she would have taken time, and like I said, it might not complete her fault, but if she would have had this kind of, a thought of saying, how can I help somebody else? What, th- th- your interests, right? How can I choose to gain influence in my life? And I wouldn't talk to her about, talk of her like she was a horrible person. I would talk to her of her like she was a great person. But she lost that, right? So focus on the other person. Um, focus on the positive. In a world of so much negative, how many of you guys agree that we need some positive? Right? You with me? Yeah. There are people in your, in your circles of influence, at work, at home, wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself with other people, they, all they see, all they hear, all they think of a lot of times is the negative, even when it comes to themselves, like we talked about last week, right? It's easier to see the negatives in ourselves than the positive. People are looking for others to say, hey, there's something good in you, right? Especially when people mess up. When my kids mess up, you know, it's, that's not who they are. That was a dumb decision, but there's something better in them. I need to call out the positive. I need to speak the positive. I need to see the positive. I need to let them know that there's something better. So Ephesians 4.32 says, instead... And this is a, a verse where he's saying, do the opposite of what you've been doing. He's saying, instead, be kind to each other. So don't be common. Be uncommon by being kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, right? giving them grace in the middle of this. Just as, Christ, God, through, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Because the truth is, there's negative in all of us. But those that have uncommon influence, they call out the positive. They don't just focus on the negative. They call it the positive. You address the negative, but you call it the positive. Uh, the third, third way to have uncommon influence is focus on their potential. So you focus on the person, you focus on the positive, and then you focus on their potential. Begin to see things um, in them that they might not even see. Because the truth is this, potential is not always obvious to the person. And we need others to call it out. Sometimes for us in, as a person, we have to spend some work digging and trying to dis- discover this. Peter, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve others. Peter's saying, all right, when you, when you chose to follow Christ, God, the Holy Spirit is giving you some gifts. He's going to give you a gift that you can use to make a difference in this world. That's a supernatural grace that God's given you to do something. For some of you, that gift is leadership. Others, that's administration. For others, it's music. For others, it's, it's, it's building things. We all have these different gifts that God gives to us. And so in this case, he's saying, um, use them to serve others, right? There's, there's potential in us, but we need to discover that we need to dig it up in fact our church is committed to this process that's why we have the growth track every month we're always talking about the growth track right a big part of growth track is this that you would discover how god wired you so you can begin to use your gifts and your personality in a way that would make a difference in this world and when you do that when you discover your potential and you begin to live it out you begin to actually have more fulfillment in life and when, when others call that potential out in you and they begin to point to your your purpose in life you actually find fulfillment in fact that's the fourth thing so you focus on the person, right? You, find the po- you look at the positive, you focus on the potential, and then you focus on their purpose. What is it about that person that they're good at? 
What are those things that they can make a difference in their life? And you begin to help them discover that. You begin to call that out. You begin to do that with them. My kids, you know, I'm, I'm looking for this. I'm trying to discover what are they good at? What are they passionate about? Because that will be an indicator of, of a lot of times their purpose. What things really bother them? For me, um, the first time that I went and fed kids uh, that are really poor, like when I say poor, I mean they, they have nothing, right? Um, and you come in and you help, you help get them some resources. Uh, that's part of my purpose. My purpose is to make a difference in this world. And when I do that, it's amazing how much fulfillment I get. As a church, when we do that together, it's amazing the impact that we can have when we begin to live out our purpose, right? When, when, I, when I'm up here on the stage, um, this is actually not a very comfortable space for me. Like I'm not naturally an extrovert that wants to be in front of everybody. I'm actually an introvert um, that isn't super comfortable in, a lot of, in front of a lot of people, right? But because I know God is calling me, this is part of my purpose, I step into it with courage. I step into it with, with, with knowing this is an opportunity that I can have an impact to influence somebody else. So when I go to, when I go to sleep at night on Sunday nights, I'm really tired. Um, but I, I, I go to sleep with a smile knowing, man, today I used my life to make a difference in somebody's life. And I love the stories that come from um, our team coming together to do something on a Sunday that makes an impact in people's lives. I love seeing marriages get better. I love seeing parents get better at parenting. I love to see uh, individuals make better choices. It's amazing, right? Because we have influence in other people's lives. So we begin to, to, to live our purposes. We find that fulfillment. In fact, Ephesians 2.10, uh, he says it like this. Uh, Paul says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm so grateful for people that saw potential in me. I'm so grateful for God saying, you can do something in your life. You choose to do something with your life. How God wired us, how he gifted us. So focus on the person, focus on the positive, focus on their potential, focus on, the, on, the, on their purpose, and then finally focus on the process. And um, Paul, Paul in Ephesians, he says, we're God's masterpiece. Well, a masterpiece doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes time. The process takes time. And sometimes the process is you take ten, three steps forward, you take a step back. You know, somebody begins to make progress, and then they kind of revert a little bit. Well, that's part of the process sometimes. It's the learning process, right? You try, you fail. You get up and you try again. You keep going and just keep making new mistakes. Keep, keep trying to, to become more and more of what God's calling you to do. It's okay if you don't always get it right perfect 100 times, 100%. You just keep doing it. You keep moving forward. It's a process, right? And so Paul's saying you're, you're part of that masterpiece. God is doing something in your life. And, and, and call that out in other people's lives. Like if you want uncommon influence, you're saying, let me help in this process, right? You're not who you can be yet, but you're definitely not who you used to be. And that's the good news. You're getting better and you help them to see. Um, when, when, when Jesus models for us, he models everything in this with his disciples, right? He's focusing on the person. He's calling things out in them. He's, he's seeing the positive when they can't see the positive. He's calling out the potential, He's helping them discover their purpose, and then he's, he's walking through them in that process. In fact, Peter, um, if you read First and Second Peter, Peter actually learns and discovers the process, and he gives it to us. Go read it. It's pretty incredible. He says, if you do these things, and he gives you steps, like here's a step, here's a step, here's a step. He said, what's going to happen is you're going to look back, and you're actually going to have a lot of success in life. Like you're not even going to stumble and fall if you'll do these things because he understood there's a process to this, and God is wanting us to be a part of this process of moving forward. Um, there's a, a verse in Luke where Jesus is talking about um, how we can expect something when we, use, when, when we give from ourselves, right? In fact, let me read it to you, and I'll explain what the verse says. Luke 6, 38. He says, give, and you'll receive. So you give, and you're going to receive, right? And your gift will return to you. So the thing you give is going to return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make more room, room for more. Running over, poured onto your lap. So he's saying when you give... 
that the same thing that you give out is going to come back to you, but it's not going to just come back to you the same measure you gave. It's actually going to come back to you in a greater measure. So the thing you give out, it will actually come back to you in a greater measure. Um, the amount you give will be determined the amount you get back. We t- a lot of times talk about this verse when it comes to money and finances, and, and the principle applies to it. But if you read the whole context, he actually talks about judgment. He says when you judge others, when you call out others and, and others it's not working, he said just know that you're actually going to get judgment back, not just the same measure you gave, but it's going to be a greater measure than you gave. So if you're a, a person that's always calling negative out in others, others are going to call the negative out in you even more so. If you're a person that gives judgment, he's saying you can expect judgment back. And this is the context that he's giving it, is the, the way that we live our lives will come back to us in a greater measure. Now, the reverse is true also. When you're generous with your words, the measure you give out will come back to you, and it'll actually make, it'll be shaken down, pressed together, so there's more of it running over into your, into your, into your life. When it comes to influence, when you understand this principle of saying, how can I give in such a way that I'm going to help others be successful? How can, I, how can I treat these relationships in a way that they become better? in our relationship because of me. You give yourself, you give your time, you give your energy, you give of your compliments, you give of, your, um, of the opportunities to speak life into, their, into the relationship. You can expect your life to have a greater impact in them, right? It doesn't happen overnight, right? It's, it's a journey, but, it, but it's us can being consistent. In fact, I would say that's probably the key to this. You don't have to relationship, healthy relationships. You need to be consistent at what you do, the way you approach things. In my life, I'm looking for influence. And I know, I know the principle is this. If I'll keep doing it consistently over time, I will, I will have a, a really good impact in somebody's life if I, if I stay consistent, if I keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, so here's the question I want to ask you. When it comes to your life, what is your greatest accomplishment going to be? What kind of influence, what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind with your family, with your workplace, right? Some of you, if you're going to be retiring soon or you have 10 years to go, what is your legacy going to be when you're gone? What are you going to be remembered by? Are they going to celebrate you're finally gone? Or are they going to say, man, that person made an impact on my life? We all have the same amount of time to make the same kind of impact. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be the Hitler of this world? Or are you going to be the Mother Teresa of this world? Are you going to be the Stalin of this world? Or are you going to be Martin Luther King Jr. of this world? Right? Who, who, who do you choose to have the legacy that you leave behind? I believe, in fact, your greatest accomplishment and my greatest accomplishment, it most likely won't come directly from us, but from somebody that we raised up. And I look back, and we were youth pastors in Bernalillo for 11 years, and some of our students that were in the church with us, they're now working in churches around the nation, and they're doing some incredible things. And the fact that we were able to have a little bit of influence in their life, help them to discover these things, they're now doing things they love, making an impact around this world because of influence. And there's a good chance that the people I poured into will have a greater impact than I've had. This is what influence is about. It's us saying, how can we multiply our life by pouring in all, as many people as possible so they can have a greater impact? And their impact is actually also our impact. And it lives on far beyond us. So the best way to love someone is to invest in them, to help them become better, to help them become more like Christ, to help them to call out those things that God wants to, to do in their life. Um, and I would say Jesus models it for us. Uncommon influence is this, that you believe the best even after the worst. When it's hard in your marriage, when it's hard at the workplace, believe the best about them even after the worst. That's how you have uncommon influence. You keep saying there's, there's something better just down the road. 
there's something more. Don't stop with that. Because remember, success is when those closest to you, they think the most of you. So here's my challenge for today as we wrap up this series and wrap up this, this message today. It's this. Would you choose influence over affluence? If you can have both, great. But if you have to choose one, am I going to get a promotion? Am I going to get greater knowledge? Am I going to get greater wealth? Or am I going to have influence in somebody's life? Choose the influence. Because if you just go for after the affluence, you will eventually lose influence in people's lives. And you'll look around, and the people most, that should be closest to you and that think the most of you, they won't be there to celebrate or to, 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 to be a part of that with you. So be generous with your life. Share it. Right? Choose to say, God, I, I want to use my life to make an impact. God, help me to have uncommon relationships so that they can become the best they could possibly become. And in that, we'll make a difference in our lives. I mean, just, just think about this for a moment. Can you imagine this week? If every single one of us went into relationships in our conversation and said, how can I help this person accomplish the things they really want to accomplish? How can I help my coworker be the best worker they can be? How can I help my boss be the better boss? How can I help my husband or wife be a better husband or wife? How can I help my kids be successful in what they're doing? If you're a math teacher, how can I help a student like Eric who doesn't get it, get it? How can I take time to really... Um, help them be successful in what they're not good at? How can I help them make the difference? Your legacy would be one of saying, man, I love math teachers, not I hate math teachers, right? And I want your legacy to be that. Whatever it is that you are, whatever field you're in, that people would say, that person, man, I don't, I don't remember a lot of things about what they wore, how much money they had, what kind of car or house they lived in, but I sure remember how they made me feel. I sure remember the things they called out of me that the potential they saw and the time they spent with me and those things live on long after we're gone. So today as we end our service, uh, you know, I want to give an opportunity for those that in this room, you know, as I talk about having influence, I talk about uh, using our life to make an impact. Maybe today you're just here and you're saying, man, I'm just trying to hold my life together. Like you're talking about losing influence. I've lost influence. You know, my marriage and my, my kids and work, whatever it is. And I, I just, I need some of that. I need help with that. I have good news. You know, like every long journey and every great journey to a great destination, it starts with the first step, right? And Jesus is calling the disciples. He's saying, come and follow me. I'll help you discover this. I'll help you be fishers of men is his call. Essentially saying, you come follow me. I'm going to make you an influencer. The first step to really fulfilling everything God has for you is saying, God, I, I need to follow you. I want to follow you. I choose to follow you. And some of you today in this room, you're not following God. You're, you're doing your own thing. And most likely it's not working because the um, Bible says that when we do our own thing, it doesn't work. Maybe for the short term it's fun for a while, but eventually it doesn't produce what we want. And today some of you need, make, need to make a decision to say, today I want a new start. I want to commit my life to God. I want to help. ask him to help me on this journey. So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. And if that's you today and you want to make a new start and you want to say, today I, I need God in my life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. In fact, it's just a prayer, a, a prayer invitation relationship with God. So the Bible says if we'll confess our sin, our part, our transgressions, our, our mistakes, that we humble ourselves in that moment, that God hears us, he responds by forgiving us and giving us a new start. And so today, if you're here, I'm not going to call you down to the front, but just right there in your seat, just ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, would you do me a favor and lift your hand and let me know you're here? So God, I, that's me. I need your help in my life. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? See if the hand's going up. So good. All those hands that went up, so proud of you. You're acknowledging, saying, God, I, 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 want you, I need you on this journey. 
if you raise your hand, would you pray with us and uh, pray this prayer with me? If you're a Christ follower, would you pray with us? They're not, they're not praying alone. Say this today. Say, Father God, I acknowledge and I admit my mistakes, my sin, my past. Forgive me for going my own way. Today, I choose to go your way. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross to give me an example of how to live, to have a, a way back to you so I can have a relationship with you. Today I choose you. I say yes. Come into my life. Make me into a new creation. Give me a new start. I put my trust in you. I follow your lead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.